Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Customer Strategy Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya, and today I'm talking with Miranda Drakonsky. Miranda is the VP of Customer Success and People Operations for a company called Swiftly. And Miranda and I got into an interesting conversation around how to work through some of the challenges that we're facing in the environment of the coronavirus and COVID-19 when it comes to our customers specifically, and even more specifically, the renewals. We all have businesses to run. We all have contracts in place with our customers. And, you know, we have some conversations coming up that could be a little bit challenging around, you know, do I, how do I talk to the customer and ask for that $100,000, dollars $300,000 renewal in the midst of massive uncertainty across the board that they're experiencing just like we are. So, you know, neither Miranda nor I has a perfect crystal ball and knows how to handle this perfectly because frankly, this has never happened before. And, but it was really helpful to talk through some of the situations and permutations and ways that they're engaging with their clients and really coming up with you know, what is the game plan? What do we want our customers to experience during times like this? And how do we want to show up not only as a customer success team, but as an organization? And so it's a really interesting conversation. Miranda's doing a fantastic job of leading her team through this very challenging time. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. So here we go. Hey, Miranda, how you doing? I'm doing good today. Thank you so much. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Excited to chat with you. Uh, we're in the midst of some unprecedented times and unprecedented, you know, things in our world. And, you know, on the customer success side, there's so much going on. But before we get into all of that, I, you know, would love to hear the latest in your world. Um, you know, tell us about Swiftly. Tell us about your responsibilities. And let's, uh, let's just get a little bit of background information for everybody. And then we'll jump in. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm Miranda Dekonsky, and I am the Vice President of Customer Success and People Operations over at Swiftly. Um, many people probably haven't heard of Swiftly. Uh, we're kind of the not-so-sexy behind-the-scenes companies that you hear about. So our data powers uh, public transit agencies. So you think about us uh, as a data layer that provides you know, everything from real-time passenger analytics to on-time performance uh, and various other analytics that, like I said before, powers public transit agencies. So, huh? Okay, so um, let me come back to the public transit agencies in a second because I want to know more about that world. Um, I don't know a ton about it right now, but the your VP of CS and people operations. So in this time with you know COVID nineteen coronavirus, what, what does that mean in terms of all the things that you've dealt with? from an internal, inside your company? Like, how are you handling all of this stuff? Well, I would like to think I'm handling it well, but <laughs> opinions probably vary. Um, I will tell you, it has been a really crazy few weeks. Um, I, in my brain, I'm, I'm constantly trying to balance out what's the right things to do for our team, for our company, for our community. And then in the other side of my brain, I'm thinking about, okay, what do we need to do for our customers? How do we be good partners to them? How do we serve them during this time because they are public transit agencies? Um, and then I also have the business side in my brain where I'm looking at all the renewals that need to be facilitated um, and trying to think about, what do I do about those? Like, it doesn't feel good. Uh, to go and say, hey, dear customer, I know that, you know, things are a little crazy right now, but how about that renewal? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes those can be hard conversations even in normal times and then throw all this into the into the mix of what we're going through. And it's a, it's a whole different world. My goodness. Um, <laughs> How has your team adapted in this uh, in this you know time of change? Everybody, I'm guessing, is probably remote by now. We're in March of 20, end of March 2020. Just for anybody listening, but how has your team adapted? And you know, what have been some of the highlights of that's the good that's come out of this? Yeah. So not last Monday, but the Monday before was our last day physically in the office together. So we went remote on that Tuesday. So we're going on two solid weeks tomorrow. 
Um, I'm sure the introverts are celebrating and doing backflips every morning when they don't have to get up and uh, go into the office and deal with us extroverts. But on a more serious note, um, some of the the great things that have come out of it um, have been just the ways in which we're trying to bring each other together. Uh, So we had a happy hour last week where we played Scribble. That was a lot of fun. Um, One of uh, the people ops managers, uh, she she brought that up as an idea. We also have been doing um, share or show and tell at lunch or talent shows. Um, I just think it's we've we've come together in a very clever way, uh, and it's been kind of cool. I feel like I know some people more now than I did when I sat nearby them, uh, which is really funny if you think about it. Really? No, that's I, I would not have guessed that, that you would actually, being in a distributed environment, have an opportunity to get people, get to know people even better than when you're in a physical environment. And simply, you know, you guys are coming up, I love those ideas, coming up with these creative ideas on how to stay connected, how to stay communicated. Are you heavily using like Zoom or another conferencing service? Oh yeah, Zoom. We're yeah. living on Zoom. Um, you know, seeing each other face to face over Zoom, it's which is nice. Yeah. It doesn't replace the human connection or that human contact. I'm a high fiber mm-hmm. and I'm in serious high five withdrawals. Like I, <laughs> I'm having a hard time here, right? Like I, you know, my teams that work with me will tell you that after every, you know, celebration, I'm always like high five. Uh, and right now it's more like high five over the zoom. It just doesn't work as well, but uh, (laughs) I I don't think we'll ever go back to high fiving after this. So I think it'll have to be like elbow bump. (laughs) And that's, that's a really interesting point. Yeah. There, there may not be, you know, some of those things where, um, we're totally normal and expected and everything, um, just don't, don't exist anymore. Uh, I was watching, um, with my family and kids on Sunday nights, we usually end up watching America's Funniest Home Videos. And they kept putting this um, big label across the screen uh, that said, recorded in January of 2020, to make it clear that this many people in a studio audience and this host who shook everybody's hand did not happen during the, you know, the outbreak time. And it was really, it was really interesting. And I was thinking about it, like that audience and that show and that environment just can't like likely ever go back to that kind of state. Yeah, you have to really manage the optics on that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, because it could cause a huge uproar um, where you have a lot of folks in the community saying you're being incredibly irresponsible for gathering that many people in that space. So they totally get it. And that's stuff we would have never thought of in no. January, right? No. Yeah. So we have this new level of awareness that's coming out of this. I think also just a new level of empathy. Mm-hmm. Um I'm watching, you know, folks that normally wouldn't think about how they communicate, being more thoughtful about how they're communicating, uh, thinking about others' experience, right? So you keep hearing people say, well, I'm young, this isn't going to impact me. But I think now I'm hearing less of that and more of, well, this probably won't impact me, but it could impact my neighbor or mm-hmm. impact someone in my community. So why don't I be responsible and and follow the guidelines, right? Yeah. So it, Okay, we're, we're just, it's good. This is going to cause us to evolve a little bit. Let's just see how much of it stays as we return back to normal life eventually. Um, but I think it is helping us evolve. I, yeah, I'm very curious about that. And and this is like the, I mean, the greatest acceleration of evolution from a, certainly from a work perspective that, I mean, pretty much anybody has ever seen um, in the sense that, you know, there was a small pocket of of the technology world that has been working remote and been completely effective and many companies who've been successful um, just being in a completely distributed environment but they were kind of the exception you know they had a, a founder who was that was the vision from day one it was never a choice or a, never a you know a must-have it just that was what they did and they didn't ever want to build it any other way so then of course the company evolved that way but when you go from the normal in-person, we highly value our collaboration and our, our energy that everybody brings in the office, and then go into this distributed environment and increase our level of empathy, understand what other people who are maybe not able to commute into work or not able to find a role in their you know geographic location that suits their skills and they need to work remote for another company, but it's a totally different world. I mean, it's absolutely incredible what the eyes can see once you're open to experiencing what other people go through on a daily basis. 
I think that's a really good call out. I know, you know, for example, GitLab, they've worked remote forever and they have some amazing content out there. Um, They're not paying me to name drop them, but they have amazing content out there for folks that are, you know, contemplating maybe making this a longer term thing. That's not my company. We're not, but I know a lot of folks are like, huh, maybe this could open up my talent pool. Yeah. Um, maybe I could hire more people on the East Coast if I'm West Coast centric, right? Yep. Or you know, or in another country, right? Um, so I do think that it is open in the eyes of folks, uh, you know, everywhere of the possibility. So yeah, and and um, I agree with you on on the GitLab side. Uh, David Sakamoto is fantastic CS leader over there. And right after everything blew up with everybody starting to go remote immediately, he immediately had. Um, pointers out to GitLab's, they have a handbook, I believe it was, that was basically a map of how they do everything remote. And this is a, you know, couple thousand, I think, person organization, so it's significant size um, and tons and tons of resources and very open with helping others. So um, super cool, going to help everybody evolve. And, and to the talent pool part, absolutely right. I mean, I have countless discussions with CS leaders over time and you can't quite find enough of the talent that you need right in the space that you're at, whether in San Francisco or in another part of the country. And I think it is really important and the work dictates it sometimes that you open up and look at different things and you evolve and and have different ways of operating like we will um, discuss today. Yeah. Yeah. I want to add one more thing to that before we, we kind of naturally shift to something else. But if you think about the possibility of this for tech startups, if tech startups could be early adopters of having the remote first, mm-hmm. you could get talent. Uh, I don't want to say, you know, at a lower cost, but definitely at a lower cost, which could extend your runway, which means everybody wouldn't have to cluster to the San Francisco Bay area to be in the startup world, which then could maybe lower the cost of housing. I'm really going out on a limb here, but <laughs> I'm saying if you think about it, uh, you know, the impact it could have if we all didn't have to cluster to, you know, three or four regions within the United States to work in tech startups, uh, boy, what would that do to gentrification and the cost of living and housing and all of that? So. Huge, huge impact. No, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And I, and I hope that, you know, throughout of this, there will be positive things that evolve, you know, for the economy as a whole, for the world as a whole, essentially. And I'm just, you know, very thankful that so much infrastructure exists today, like with Zoom and like the capabilities to have these incredibly clear video calls with people. Whereas like 10 years ago, if this happened, there's no possible way we'd be as efficient or as effective in our roles if we were confined to our homes. Just not, would not have been, it would have been a disaster. Um, but nowadays we have the capabilities and it's only going to keep getting better. So those who are making the networking and the infrastructure pieces uh, you know, very thankful for all the progress that we've made and they, they enable this. And now it's time for us to look at this and say, how do we take advantage of all these incredible capabilities? And this is basically being forced to figure that out very, very quickly. Yep, definitely. Cool. All right. Um, so coming back to Swiftly's customers, you said you mentioned that you serve your data, you provide data that powers public transit agencies. Can you tell us a little bit more about what kind of public transit agencies and what kind of data that you're involved with? Yeah, so essentially how Swiftly works, um, and hoping I'm not going to give out too much information, but I'll just give like a high-level overview of what I know is public. Um, We consume multiple data feeds from transit agencies, such as their you know, their fixed schedule, the GPS pings on the buses, uh, you know, and the data that shows us what the bus is assigned to, right, the assignment data. And we marry the data together and utilizing our genius engineers that we have and our genius data scientists, we create um, we create a mechanism behind the scenes that provides the various uh, the, the various information that a transit agency would need to be able to really just do their business. Mm. Um, so our product is very crucial. We we do partner currently with well over seventy transit agencies, mostly here domestically in the United States. Um, we have transit agencies like Boston, which is MBTA, uh, MTA, which is Baltimore. Um, we have a lot in Texas, San Antonio, Austin, um, and a few other uh, smaller ones. Here in the Silicon Valley, we, we power San Jose. 
Um, and you know, we're, we're all over. Uh, so then we also have, uh, some abroad, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Finland, Iceland, uh, those regions. Um, and yeah, so it's primarily right now it's fixed route. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's primarily, we do have, um, we, we do have some rail, but it's mostly fixed route bus is what we, we specialize in at the moment. Okay. Wow. Fascinating. And these, uh, these, these transit agencies must be going through their own kind of whirlwind. What, what's happening inside of their world that you know of today as a result of some of the conversations with them over the last, you know, three, four weeks and all the changes that are going on? Yeah. Um, so one, I've been trying to give them space. Mm -hmm. So what I know is happening in the world of transit comes purely from what I'm seeing in the news. So I'll just stand it. Um, So nothing that I'm, you know, sharing is coming directly from any of our customers. Mm -hmm. It's what I'm seeing in the news. And I think right now um, it's kind of a lot of folks are trying to balance out, you know, do we decrease frequency of routes? Do we cancel routes? I mean, that's happening here in with BART, Bay Area yep. Rapid Transit, they just announced that they're going to stop trains after 9 p.m. Mm. Uh, you know, ridership is down significantly uh, across the board, um, you know, at least in any city or state where we have been, you know, put on lockdown per se. Um, because, I mean, it's only essential employees that would be utilizing public transit. Um, so, yeah, I think right now, uh, at least from what I'm seeing in the news, uh, it's kind of an interesting time for transit agencies in general, just trying to figure out how to navigate this and figure out how long this is going to be going on. But I think that's the truth for most businesses at the moment. Um, so I don't think they're alone. That's the good thing, right? Yeah. We're all in this together. We're all going through the same thing, trying to figure out what's the next step? How long is this really going to go on for um, and how long do we all have to be on lockdown? Because while for some people it may not impact their day to day, the only thing it changes is where they're working from. Mm-hmm. from. For others, you know, we have folks like in the restaurant industry that are losing their jobs left and right just because there's no work. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, I think, where we're at. I understand. I understand. Okay, perfect. Thank you for the background and the context and kind of where they are, where you guys are. So, when it comes to your customer strategy in this challenging time, what's the single biggest challenge, question, or frustration that you've been struggling with lately? Yeah, so this is such a great question, Nils. And you know where I'm at, what, what my biggest single challenge I'm dealing with right now is trying to figure out how to balance out the business side with the innate needs of our customers. Mm-hmm. I've heard this from a few other customer success professionals as well recently. So I know I'm not alone here. Um, it's we have to keep the business running in order to provide, you know, the service that we provide. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot, most of us were not non not for profit agents. You're not for, for profit companies. Like we have to, we have to keep the lights on, which means we need to collect revenue. Um, but how do you continue to collect on that revenue and continue to facilitate those renewals without coming across as uh, insensitive towards what's going on Mm -hmm. uh, in the world of our customers? And that's really right now, uh, it's dominating uh, my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I personally have a lot of renewals coming up this year that need to be facilitated and some that need to be facilitated in this quarter, Q2, Q3. I, what, you know, what do I do with that? What yeah. do I, you know, I, do I just send an invoice and quietly sit back and say, okay. <laughs> well, just, you cross your fingers and wait on pins and needles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As we all know, during times like this, look, I've lived through Y2K. I've mm-hmm. lived through 9-11. I've lived through, you know, I worked in the automotive industry during the downturn. I was in Mm. Michigan during, you know, 2008. Wow. um, When everything hit the fan uh, for, you know, for the automotive industry. And I I was, I was working there and I was working for a company that 
um, got hit really hard and we had to file chapter 11. Mm. I mean, Mm. I know that right now things feel really bad, but I also know that in time we will look back on this and, you know, we'll be back in our new normal. Um, And I say new normal because I think things will change. I don't think it's going to be the same, uh, but there will be a new normal. But I, I look back on that and I'm trying to think of what did I do with my customers then? Is there anything that I learned then that I can use now? Because when you emerge from these situations, you know, you know, it, you don't think that, oh, I'll, whew, we're through that. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Uh, but I think it's important that we start postmorteming these things mm-hmm. <laughs> and figuring out like, okay, like we need this toolkit um, because right now I don't have a toolkit. So understand. Good. And I, that was going to be one of the questions I asked you was, I mean, you've been through some of those major events my, I have as well. And um, what what did you take away from, let's just take the, the 2008 one in, in the finance, uh, sorry, the automotive industry and yeah. company ultimately filed for chapter 11. That's a very difficult place. Nobody ever wants to be. Um, and you went through some hard times and you had, you know, customer base that you were servicing that point. What were some of the things that, that you did do during that time? Yeah. Uh, one, you know, it was, it was tough. So our company, we really cut down a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you think about it, that was, that was a long time ago. I was a, I was more of an individual contributor, um, back then I had a portfolio I was managing. Um, and so as a company, I know we really tightened down. We unfortunately had to do a ton of layoffs then. Thankfully I'm not in that position right now where I'm at. Um, I made that cut, but what that meant was my workload grew mm-hmm. because I had to pick up, uh, the slack, uh, that was left off from others that were, you know, no longer around. Also, it was a tightening of how we were handling our receivables. Mm-hmm. So making sure that we were staying on top of it, uh, and on top of our game in regards to business side and making sure we were able to collect on monies. Um, but you know, I'm trying to dig into my brain. Did we ever talk about the customer experience? I don't think we did. And that's really interesting. If you think about where we were as a society in 2008 to where we are in 2020, customer experience matters so much more now than it did in 2008. I hate to say it. It's just true. Uh, We have evolved a lot, uh, you know, in our thinking in regards to customer experience and customer empathy and all of that. I can't remember ever sitting down at a table with anyone uh, and folks saying, let's be sensitive to the needs of your customers because they're going through it as well. It was more of, did you collect that? Did this ship? <laughs> or, you know, so it was just a very different time and a very different type of business in a very different world. Um, so I, I wish I could say in regards to customer experience, I, I could pull from that, but I, I can't, but that's okay. Um, because I know what I wouldn't want to do. And I think that was definitely mirrored for me. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, that's a perfect, a perfect example of, you know, how far we've come. And that's a perfect learning from that situation was that, you know, by, by retrenching and, and looking inward, it's not going to solve our problem. Right. Whereas in 2008, it felt like pretty much the only thing you could do. And it's, as you said, a much different world today. So we have the opportunity to take a look at this through your customer's point of view. Um, and maybe to, to start there, why don't you tell me a little bit about, um, we were, you mentioned renewals earlier specifically, and that's kind of one of the biggest things that comes up, of course. So um, what, from a process perspective in, with your customers prior to this outbreak and everything, how, what was the renewal process with your customers like? It was very simple. Um, so, you know, we would do, we're, we're working in government uh, with, you know, government revenue, gover- government monies pretty much for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was pretty simple. You know, we would do our business reviews with them on a regular cadence. And then, you know, a few months before renewal, most of these folks would be auto renew, even though the contracts were tens of thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, we would just send an invoice and it would be done. Um, So, uh, you know, of course, sometimes there would have to be a price increase or there would be a new module that they'd purchase. So there was the upsell component. It was just very typical renewals 101. Okay. Um, 
now my brain is saying, do we continue just pretending that everything is fine and we're just going to do renewals the way renewals have always been done in every tech company that has, you know, enterprise customers, right? Yep. Uh, and immediately my gut says, no, we can't, we absolutely can't. I think we need to shift from business as usual to a partnership mode. Mm -hmm. And what that means is, is talking to our customers as humans, but also as fellow business folks and letting them know, Hey, you do have this renewal coming up in three months. Um, how do we want to handle this? How do we position this? Uh, also, one of the things I will say that I think we're doing really well is, um, for the most part, you know, we're not going out and trying to get a bunch of upsells or mm-hmm. increase prices or anything like that. And I think that's a big learning for everyone right now. Like, don't try to be the hero in your organization and increase the revenue on the back of your current customers, you know, try to, you know, unless they're willing to, you know, buy a bunch more, maybe their business needs that. But if that's not it, don't go out with that sales mentality and, and try to increase, 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 right? Because everybody's trying to figure out, you know, what their, their norm is going to be. So, you know, I'm, I am taking a step back and trying to look at it from more of a partnership perspective, having those conversations, figuring out where they are, what, what the, the feel is that my team, um, they've been doing just personal check-ins with mm-hmm. their accounts, like, because we really do care. It's more of, it's, it's not about business. It's about how are you, how are, how is your family? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later down the line, we'll, we'll take a look at the the renewals and the business side. Yeah, I, I love what you said there. We're going to shifting to that partnership mode and talking to them as humans and business folks because this is, I mean, what in this situation probably different than any other prior. Like, they're everybody is literally in the same bucket, right? Everything yeah. has constricted. Everything has um, essentially gone to very low levels of engagement, of spending, of whatever, you know, just retrenching overall, whether driven by fear or government mandate, it's just retracted virtually everything, right? So um, I think this is one of the most interesting times that we have to be so much more open as you were describing there than ever before, right? And I was talking with one of my clients earlier today and, and shared that, you know, there's a message to deliver like, to your customers, which is centered around, you know, what you're going through and what you're doing, not just in response to the virus and whatnot, but more about how you're using this opportunity to figure out what the right model is for them in the future. You know, so that might even play a part of the partnership talk uh, with your customers around, look, we recognize the world's not going to be exactly the same um, as it is, as it was before into the future. So in in conjunction, we want to build our engagement model, our support model, our software model, everything around what your future is going to look like, you know, and and being open like that, like this is an unprecedented time where I think that might actually be totally fine. Whereas in the normal world, six months ago, you never would have opened the kimono to that level. You know, it would have said, well, here's how we're doing. We're going to segment like this and this is your service level and here you go. And here's the resource you contact and that's it. And now we're saying, wait a second, like we need to, we need to come to this together and we need to earn our trust, earn trust through being a a genuine person like you were describing. So I really like that sentiment. I I really like something that um, my CEO said the other day, uh, Johnny, um, Johnny Sumkin, and it really resonated with me. And I think that we're going to probably hear a similar version of this at many tech startups, like we're series A, we're a series A tech startup, right? So this is really crucial time for us. Um, so he said, we're going to go back to basics. Mm-hmm. And I just love that, right? Mm-hmm. Go back to basics. And I think that if we took that mantra and made it our own, what does going back to basics mean? for folks in sales and marketing, customer success, product, whatever. What does that mean? Um, you know, we don't have to be fancy about this. Let's just figure out what are basics for us and what does that mean for our customers? Yeah, I like that. I mean, the, the basics are, if you, don't, if you don't nail the basics, there's no point in really doing anything else, right? <laughs> in all my time consulting in five plus years, I still tend to focus primarily on the basics and the fundamentals 
Because until you execute those at a world-class level, there's really not much point in going more in depth and trying to get into the fancier stuff and things because essentially it's a shaky foundation and eventually becomes a house of cards when their weight becomes too heavy of all the stuff you put on top, more customers, more revenue, more renewals, more expansion targets, all that stuff. If the bottom isn't there, it's, you got nothing. So I really love that you guys are going back to that level because you know in times like this where some you know new logo stuff is going to slow down across the board, it's just you know nature of what we're dealing with. Now's the time to reinvest in that foundation and to you know just focus on that. Just focus on the you know the expectations and the communication and the business reviews and the process and the what how the entire team runs. Um, there's nothing. Yeah. That's absolutely an incredible use of time. I really love your CEO is championing that. Yeah, me too. Me too. It was very clever. And I think just hearing it, I kind of exhaled. I was like, oh, oh yeah, basics. Duh. Yeah. yeah. Duh. <laughs> okay. So let, okay. So now let's let's bring the basics into this. You know, you got renewals. You, it's part of the business, right? In Q1, Q2, we're almost at the end of Q1. Q2, Q3, Q4. Okay. So what does... Uh, focusing on the basics for your renewals and relationships with your customers really look like? Yeah, for me, focusing on the basics means like, okay, so if we think about customer success 101, right? So it's heavily around adoption, value, mm-hmm. and partnership. Um, and if your adoption is still high, the value that your customers are getting out of your product is still high. Mm-hmm. Proving yourself to be a strong partner again and again and again, um, that should really help feed the renewal. Uh, if the adoption goes down, if you know, if your partnership starts to fail or you don't show yourself as a good partner, um, then, you know, it's going to make your renewal really tough at a time like this. Yes. There are a lot of non-essential products out there that we all use that probably should be a little fearful right now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I won't name any names, of course, but there are products out there where you're like, well, I could probably do without this. Yeah. I could probably do without that. Mm-hmm. How do you make sure your product doesn't fall into that bucket? Yeah. Uh, and that's back to the basics as a customer success manager, making sure your product is an essential. Somebody views this as mission critical mm-hmm. to your day-to-day. Um, and if it ever falls into that bucket of not mission critical, like how do you get it out of that bucket as soon as possible? Because that could increase your churn. Absolutely. Okay, so in your case with Swiftly, um, how about the measurement of those three key things, right? The adoption, the value, and the partnership. How do you go about measuring those today to know whether or not you are exec- your team is executing on the basics? Yeah. Well, I mean, adoption is pretty simple, right? Okay. Um, it's making sure that we're measuring how many people are using it, what they're using it for, how many times a day are they logging in, mm-hmm. um, you know, how many new teams and departments are being brought into the product. We don't have a seat model. We have an unlimited model. So really anybody can log in as long as you've purchased uh, access, anybody in the agency can log in. Okay. So that's huge for us is making sure that, you know, folks are utilizing the same data set and mm-hmm. talking same language. So there's really no reason for everybody at the agency to not be using it because they can, and it's no additional cost. So that's really simple for us in that regard, right? Is that, so is that like a daily active user target that you're tracking? And, and if it drops below a certain percentage or it's drops yeah. and then changes, like, is it, is that what kind of you're talking about? Yeah, it's like daily active, monthly active user measurement, but also, you know, there's a counter measurement um, where it it could be a little deceiving, right? Because you want a lot of people to have access to it, but not everybody's going to log in all the time. So figuring out how to segment out the departments, right? So a planner is probably going to log in way less than somebody that's in customer service, Mm -hmm. right? Somebody in customer service, they're going to get questions around, you know, from riders, where's my bus? Um, I left something on the bus. 
uh, and then they have to figure out what bus it is, right? So they could use our tool to do that. Whereas planners uh, and schedulers and folks like that may use it a little less if they're looking at what their on-time performance is or, you know, if they want to shift any time within the schedule to change the route to, to optimize it, right? So... Yes, it is around monthly active, daily active users, but also making sure that we know who's what and what expectations we should have for each of those areas. Like customer service, I would anticipate they're in it all day, every day. Um, And and then also, you could really hurt your numbers if you, you could play, I guess you could game the numbers, so to speak, if you have less people that are signed up then your monthly active user ratio for that agency is amazing. Right. Because, you know, you have five people and all five are using it, right? Yeah. yeah. But what you're not seeing is that you have 50 others that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't logged in or they haven't received a, a sign up, right? So it's it's also having that countermeasurement, countermetric and making sure that we're looking at the available folks that could potentially log in or could potentially have uh, have access, do they? Got it. And and are those um, specific, there's specific activities that your team is doing to drive those metrics. And then those are the key reporting indicators for that adoption piece. Again, back to basics, like how do we, how do we know for sure, for certain that we are driving the right adoption with right people at the right time in the right parts of the org? Yeah. I mean, that is definitely something that the team uh, focuses on. We, have done more lately than we did before. I'll just put it that way. Um, if you would have asked me back in September, mm-hmm. yes, it was being looked at, but I felt like, you know, we really picked up, we have one team member who is incredibly passionate about this and he's really picked up the, you know, the strategy on doing push messages to mm-hmm. people. Did you know you could do this? Did you know you could do that? Right. That, helps increase that overall activities. And we're getting creative about how we can get more of that. Cool. So, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So that's on the adoption side. How about on the value side? How do you measure the value delivered? It's a little harder, right? Um, but for us, it's around the goals that are being set when we're onboarding and during our business reviews. So most accounts get two business reviews a year. Uh, I should say the enterprise level of our enterprise account. So of course we have our enterprise mid-market small business. It's all pretty much enterprise software. Um, But everybody gets at least one business review a year. Uh, Some get two. Uh, And during those business reviews, we are working with them to not only show them how they're using the product, but show them the value that they've been getting out of the product in regards to any goals that they set. So if you have a customer, for example, that wants to increase on-time performance by a certain percentage, um, you could partner with them to show them how they could use our tool to increase that by making shifts in their schedule or whatever it may be. Um, But every value means something different to every one of our customers and every department. Of course, there is a little bit of overlap because they all do the same thing. But I think it's important that even, you know, at other companies that uh, customer success realizes value may mean something different, but find the 10 that are the same mm-hmm. and it, track it and use that to show that you've helped move the needle. Yeah. I, I'm with you there, 100. There's even though there, it feels like everybody's a snowflake. There really are only 10 snowflakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you fall into one of those 10 somehow. <laughs> okay. Outside of it, right? But yeah. you have to draw the line somewhere. Let's be yes. Agree. Um, you know, we could we could customize everything to the nth degree, but it's going to make you crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. It would make everybody crazy, inside and outside. Outside. Yeah. Um, okay. How about on the partnership side? How do you measure the partnership? Partnerships, it's a little harder to measure. It's more of a sentiment thing. So it's the, you know, we talked about the quantitative, this is the qualitative, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, how are you, how are you making yourself of service to them during this time? How are you showing them you have their best interest in mind? Um, you know, and Right now, we're trying to figure this out, right? We're, we're trying to figure out what does that mean right now um, versus what it meant three to six months ago, right? Mm-hmm. Three to six months ago, it was a little bit more simpler. It was, 
hey, uh, you know, Transit Agency 1, did you know Transit Agency 2 is using our product to do this, which did this for them, right? We have a lot of case studies out there. Um, so it was more around information sharing, creating case studies to make sure everybody um, has access to that information or even facilitating customer advisory boards to where people could come together and talk about the problems that they were uh, you know, encountering at each of their agencies so they could information share, idea share, uh, things like that, right? That was our reality a few months ago. The reality now is we have to think about partnerships in a different way. And I'm still trying to figure it out. What is it that they need? I'm starting to have the conversations. I think what they've needed over the past couple of weeks has just been space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I've been giving them. Um, however, in the next couple of weeks, I do need to start having some conversations to figure out, well, what does this partnership look like? Um, and what do you need from us? You know, and, you know, marketing is doing a fantastic job. They're out there talking to agencies right now about what have you been doing? Mm -hmm. Um, I know over on the West coast, like, you know, on the West coast and the far East, like we're probably ahead of this curve. Like we've been going through this for a few weeks where there are some folks like in middle America that are just now starting to get this. So because they're just starting to get this, if we could get that information out about what, you know, Seattle was doing or what New York city did, or, you know, during this to, you know, what sanitize and, you know, keep ridership up or whatever it may be. Um, then that may be our service to them. Maybe that's our service. Hmm. I, I don't know. So try to get that. And as you think about those conversations over the next, you know, let's call it next month, right? Through, through April. Um, and so these are going to be some of the first conversations post everything kind of going crazy. Um, what, what's the, what would you love to have come out of that conversation? Let me say, let me just put it that way. What would be ideal? Ideal. I would love for, um, swiftly to be always top of mind for our customers whenever there ever is any, any, I don't want to say pandemic because God help us if we go through this again, but whenever there's any kind of crisis, I would like immediately the agency says, Oh, I wonder how swiftly could help us with this. Or Mm -hmm. I wonder if swiftly knows another agency that's already been through this, that they have information um, that they could share with me. Um, I think that would be amazing. Um, Yeah. U.S. as thought partners and leaders, thought leaders in the industry um, and folks that, yes, we are running a business, but we also care about the human side and they know that and they immediately come to us um, for information that could help them run their world. Yeah, I I really like that. Um, And then, you know, one, it you guys are the experts, like you are world experts on how to most efficiently help run a transit agency, period, right? Because you're the only link between many of these transit agencies. So you guys are this core piece that gets to see inside of every different agency and has early access to the stuff that's going on. And, you know, some people might be open to sharing everything and some people not so much, but that's okay. But if they see you as coming to the table with like, you know, one of for everybody, certainly not in the, you know, first affected areas, but those others saying, hey, these want to learn and accelerate what everybody else already did and have fun. We have details on that. Be happy to walk you through it. We can show you how Swiftly can help in this time, even though it feels like this might be an extra burden kind of thing. That that would be a very um a, a very solid approach, I think, and and would probably serve you incredibly well to build that partnership piece that you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I couldn't agree more. If I think about it, not from a transit agency perspective, but let's take about it, think about it from a customer success perspective, right? Um, you know, there are a lot of customer success providers out there. Uh, and, you know, one of the CEOs, uh, they put on a great, like, being a CSM remote webcast. I'm not a customer of theirs, but I was like, oh my God. What an amazing service I dialed in just to kind of get some ideas uh, to see how they were thinking about it. I think, you know, taking that approach is super helpful. I've also seen other approaches, you know, from folks where they're using this as a, an opportunity to drive sales. And I think that's a really bad approach, right? I'm sure your inbox is as full as mine is with things that aren't helpful. So 
I think if I think about it from a customer success perspective, like more of what that CEO is doing and less of, of what others are doing is what's needed right now. Yeah, agree. And if we come back to the renewals piece, um, you know, there is a contractual thing. You said before most of them were on auto renew. There are going to be some ex- some extreme circumstances, right? Where not everybody's going to be comfortable with auto renewing at their same terms. I mean, these are government agencies, so their funding potentially uh, at some point in the future could be reduced or the bailout could come and support them, in which case they're, they're you know, still going to be running at the same because they have to provide this critical infrastructure for the country, period. Like they can't slow down or shut down or anything like that mm-hmm. outside of the minor modifications you were talking about to a little bit reduce schedules and things. Um, and so that, you know, there's a time for that conversation and there's a time for the how can I help you conversation. Right. And, and if you put one before the other, you're going to have an awful lot of trouble. Right. So we got to go with the human first part first and then get to and then and then there's time to open up and say, look, we, we you know, we need to understand where how is it, where your funding is coming from? Because yeah. like we're struggling with the same. Where's our funding coming from? If we you know all of a sudden retract, we can't provide this great service to you and the other transit agencies. And we're, we're in the same boat, we're in this together. So let's figure out how we can do this and, and both come to the table, I think would be an incredible opening. I think that this is like the time for customer success to shine. Yeah. I think if customer success managers everywhere have been doing their jobs all along, then the next you know few months when, you're, when you do have to have renewal conversations, should it should be okay. It'll yeah. be okay yeah. because you've been providing value. You've been showing you're a strong partner and you've been helping increase adoption, right? So, you know, the, the customers, if, if we're doing our jobs, it should be a no brainer for at least our executive sponsors at these agencies or at our customers to say, absolutely, this is a mission critical tool that we need to renew. Now, if we haven't been doing our job all along, um, I don't want to say it's too late to start doing it now. Uh, you should always try to start doing it. <laughs> but uh, shame on us if we haven't been doing it all along because now it's going to be much more difficult um, to do that. And I think that should be a learning lesson that comes out of this for everyone uh, that we have got to be guardians of our customers, guardians of our customers' experience, making sure that we're advocating for them within our walls that we're really driving that value. So when something like this that we could never plan for happens, um, you know, our companies are safe or safer than they would be if they weren't doing those activities. Yeah, 100% agree. And that that just goes to the um, the the breadth of time that we have as customer success professionals to work with clients and there's only a couple of key milestones that often get recognized, right? The renewal, the upsell, like, are they sticking around and are they buying more, right? Sometimes but when that's in, and it's okay if that's the only quote unquote recognized piece of the puzzle, because the world's still learning how to drive and how to operate in a subscription model. Um, we've been there, we've been focused on it. And every single customer success professional knows, if you don't know this, you do now, that this is, you know, all about the long-term game. There is no short-term, no go in and, you know, get a sale and then you're good and you're done, right? There's just no point because it can't ever have a long-term impact. And if the work you're doing does not support what you, where your customer should be in six months or in 12 months, you're doing it wrong, right? You're focused too narrowly on what's immediately right in front of you. And so taking that approach into these conversations and saying, look, like we're not going anywhere, like this is just our what we do every day, which is think about the long term coming to the table and being right in front of every single person's eyes. And that's I agree with you 100 percent. This is where customer success absolutely should shine. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. Great point. So um, coming back to the, the renewals piece in the Q2 and Q3 and Q4 and going into it with, um, you know, this this partnership mentality. Um if, if you have that mentality and your team is armed with that as well, um, are there any hurdles or challenges that you foresee in being able to execute that strategy 
knowing that there's a financial component to this and there's going to be a little bit of awkwardness, I'm sure. But what's, what else stands in your mind outside of that, having that mindset, taking into these conversations? You know, my concern is, is if funding is lost, which, you know, I don't know if it will be or if it won't be, uh, you know, will folks lose their jobs? Um, you know, not internally at Swiftly, thankfully we're, we're okay, but you know, at my customers and I think all customer success managers should be thinking about this. Like, you know, how will you navigate if the folks that you've always worked with are not there anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a hurdle for me right now that I, I'm thinking through. Um, I, I don't think that it's an immediate issue right now. I think it's a, a more of a long, you know, it's a long tail type of issue. Um, but I think a lot of customer success managers are going to wake up in a week or two to find out that their contacts either aren't there anymore uh, or have been moved to a different area in an organization. So how are you going to navigate when your contact is gone? Um, so I'm thinking about that. Uh, like I said, I'm not insinuating that that's happening at our customers by any means, but I do know, for example, uh, the company I was at before just let go of half of their team. Uh, mm-hmm. last week. Uh, so I know that, you know, from their customer perspective, like half the company's gone. So the person that used to work with so-and-so at that company, they're not there anymore. Um, and I think we're going to see some of that happening. Uh, so that's, you know, top of mind for me. Other hurdles, it's, you know, probably I'm worried a little bit about downsell. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, folks that are like, uh, you know, I'll stay with you, but I need X percent of discount off from my current price. Um, you know, I'm, it, that's a tough one, right. To deal with and to, to, you know, kind of plan for it's, it's better to have not lost them. Uh, but, um, where, where do you, where do you draw the line in the sand? Mm-hmm. Uh, between what you can do and what you can't do in regards to your overall expenses. So that's another thing I'm kind of thinking through. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still wrapping my brain around it. Who knows? Maybe in a couple of weeks we'll wake up and we'll be like, Oh, haha, just kidding. This was just, <laughs> we can all hope we can all hope for that. <laughs> for sure. yeah. But those are just a few things that yeah. I'm trying to think through. And as you can see, and as you can probably tell anybody listening right now, I'm thinking out loud with you all, yeah. right? Yeah. So I don't even know what I, what hurdles I'm going to go through because this is happening real time right now. Like I, I have no clue. And I'm sure after I go through a few, uh, I could probably come back with a list of hurdles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is new. And I have a feeling that what's true today is probably not going to be true a month from now, right? So I don't think we've seen the final state of where we're at and that this is going to be ever evolving at least for a few months. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I, you don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. Nobody yeah. in the world has the answer, but all we can do is go through it in real time. I, I love the way you said that because it's just about talking it out. It's about playing out the scenarios. And, you know, there's going to be some experimentation, And if that experimentation comes from the mindset of partnership and comes from the mindset of experience, um, customer's experience, that is, and comes from the mindset of delivering value, then that experimentation is going to be successful in one way or another, even if it gets changed or modified. If it comes from the mindset of scarcity or it comes from the mindset of losing or it comes from the mindset of, you know, uh, acquiring whatever it is, customer revenue or whatever at all costs, then it's probably not going to be successful. And we know that just because if you were on the other side and on the receiving end of that message, how would you really feel? And, you know, if you take a minute to think about it, probably not going to be too good if it's not coming from a genuine place, which is so important in what you and the Swiftly team are doing, which I love to see. Yeah, yeah, no, we we are doing a great job as a company of thinking that through. And I think it's it's really heavily because we are a mission-driven company. Yeah. Like we really believe in what we're doing. We're not there just to build a technology solution. We really want to make a difference in transit. And we believe that, you know, transit opens the door for so many things, right? Um, you know, it can help somebody get to school. It can help somebody have access to, uh, you know, an education that they otherwise wouldn't have a mm-hmm. job, uh, whatever. And also, you know, it's great for, you know, just 
pollution and, you Mm -hmm. know, moving a lot of people at once. Right. So we all really believe in what we're doing, which I think really made this easy for us to shift because we were already there. It wasn't really much of a shift. If that makes sense. No, it's a great point. And I, I think just the environment, I mean, there's going to be some casualties across the board from a business perspective, from a, you know, individuals and employment perspective. It just, it just is. And I think those who will be able to weather this the, the best will be those who come from, just like you were describing, uh, where there's a core purpose, where there's a clear mission, where there's um, a reason why you're going to get up and have a hard conversation with the customer as opposed to just the, you know, sell at all costs and, and renew at all costs and just make some piece of software to make somebody's life 5% easier, you know, like, and, and that's true. I think with any big shakeup or any major um, economic change is that there are some that will survive and some that will not, and it will come down to values like that. And I think you guys are, are well positioned. So that's fantastic to hear. Wonderful. Cool. All right. So Miranda, we've we've spent some time. We talked about a lot of different topics here. Um, What are you going to take away from just our talking through this topic today on the renewals, on the engagement, adoption, our value partnership? What are you going to take away? What am I going to take away? Well, um, one, I think a sense of comfort in knowing it's okay that I don't know everything. (laughs) You know, I think often as leaders, um, there's a certain expectation that we kind of have it figured out. And I want everybody, if anybody's listening to this, I want them to take it away too, that it's okay if you don't have it figured out because I, I know I don't. And, um, I'm, I'm figuring it out as I learn it. And I think that's okay. Um, to making sure that, you know, we're doing the right things all the time, not just when it's, beneficial to us. Um, so making sure that, you know, we're selling to right fit customers that we are, you know, making sure the customers are utilizing the tools the best way that they can, that they're able to adopt them and adapt them into their day to day and that they feel that we're partners with them and they're getting value like every day, not just when it's, you know, when it's a crisis mode or when it benefits the company. Um, and lastly, share just share information, share findings, be transparent, um, good, bad, or indifferent, right? Uh, I think what's going to really help us get through this as a community, um, as a customer success community, is just sharing information and thoughts and being really good partners with each other. Um, Because kind of like what we should be doing with our customers, we should do this with each other all the time. Uh, Then we'll be more prepared for moments like this. I love it. Well said. That's phenomenal. Thank you so much for coming on today and spending an hour chatting with me and working through these very challenging situations. Really appreciate it and wish you all the best and look forward to hearing maybe in the future. Keep me in touch. Let's keep in touch. Drop me a line with what happens with some of these conversations that are coming up and how that human first and partnership focused approach really worked. And then maybe we can have you on back on in the future and we can talk about what this is like in six or 12 months and look back at our conversation today and <laughs> and see what learnings we can take away from it. And we will look back and say, boy, we really didn't know, did we? <laughs> right. Oh, and, uh, but at least we acknowledge that we did yes. not. <laughs> no, thank you. It was a pleasure being here. Oh, it was awesome having you on. Thank you, Miranda. There you have it. Another great episode of the Customer Strategy Podcast. What you've just heard is representative of what I do all day, every day. Work with my clients to help them through the biggest customer strategy challenges that they face. If you'd like to get this kind of help in your business, the next step is to apply to work with me. The process is very simple. All you need to do is go to glide, G-L-I-D-E, consulting, LLC.com forward slash apply. You'll be asked to answer a series of questions, and these questions are really designed to help me understand if I can help you and if we're a good fit to work together. After that, we'll get on the phone and have a conversation and talk about what I envision is the game plan to work for you. From there, you can either take that information and run with it, or we can talk about working together to put that plan into action. Again, the link is glideconsultingllc.com forward slash apply. 
Go ahead and do that now, and I look forward to the opportunity to work with you. If you'd like to get more information about how to build or improve the customer strategy in your business, you can download my free customer strategy method blueprint by going to glideconsultingllc.com forward slash blueprint. Simply enter your information, get immediate access to the blueprint, and receive a step-by-step guide to the most important areas that you have to cover. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, I'd love the opportunity to speak with you and help you work through some of the biggest challenges you face when it comes to your customer strategy. In order to be a guest, simply go to glideconsultingllc.com forward slash guest. Fill out a few questions to provide us with some context and we'll get you on the list. I look forward to having the opportunity to speak with you in the future. Until the next episode, this is Nils Vinya signing off and reminding you to serve your customers with passion.